0: On blast. this is ball on blast part of the on blast podcast network available on itunes spotify soundcloud and youtube if you like it
1: then subscribe and tell your friends holla thank you thank you thank you far too kind for tuning in once again to a little thing we like to call the ball on blast podcast as always my name is Sheldon alexander and i'm joined by my dude mr andrew webster webby what is good
0: not too much, brother. How are you, man? Been a couple of weeks, couple of things in
1: the NBA. No real crazy stories, but we're just churning along. You know, we're churning along. Yeah, man. I mean, it's weird because we're a quarter of the way through the NBA season. So coming up on this episode of the Ball on Blast podcast, we'll break down our MVP and our favorite storylines of the season so far. And one year since his tragic passing, we're going to remember our favorite Kobe Bryant moments. But first, as always on this pod, we start with the Toronto Raptors and we're taping this on Tuesday night. Raptors currently sit at seven and ten on the season, right in the mix of the play in tournament, as we said. To start on our NBA preview show, just for the record. But as mentioned, after a two and eight start, the Raptors have gone five and two since they're now waiting to play Giannis. By the time you guys listen to this on Wednesday, Raptors are getting ready to face Giannis and the Bucks. But I ask you, Mr. Andrew Webster, what do you make of this Raptor season so far?
0: Well, like you said, we're already a quarter of the way through the season, and that's crazy, Right. Now, the question is, is that terrible start that they got off to, is that insurmountable now? You know, because those games, I mean, it's not like a regular 82-game season where, and we've seen this with the Raptors before, well, they stumble out of the gate, then around January, they turn things around, by all-star game, they kind of click, everybody's getting healthy, and then they kind of make a run. Now (gasps) – is that what they're going through this year or is that time now so uh constricted that they won't have enough time to make those adjustments now it it does look like they're on the right side of things going five and two but like their schedule is fitting to become a lot tougher like that's yeah. without a doubt they've, they've got some big games coming up like you say th- when you're listening to this they'll be getting ready to face Giannis or have already played him. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it'll be interesting. It, it's nice to see some of the, the, the pieces start to fit together, especially because this lineup was such a mess, it seemed like, at the beginning of the year. But with uh, Len gone now and, and some, you know, Boucher, I, I'm sure we'll get to him in storylines, and OG, <laughs> how he's been progressing this is a team that is starting to click. I'm just hoping that the season is long enough that we're going to see them go from seventh maybe, or, or where would you say so they're seventh or 10th? No, no, they no.
1: They're, I want to say they are like 11th right now.
0: And they're bunched up, right? So if they can get on a nice like, little sustained Sorry, run.
1: I was wrong, 10th.
0: They can kind of get, like you say, get into that sixth, seventh, eighth seed. So we'll see. We'll see if there's enough time.
1: Yeah, I think so far, if you're looking at this Raptor season, and as mentioned before, right, like when they were two and eight, we knew that they weren't a two and eight team, right? Like they're not that bad. They're not one of the worst teams in the league. So you knew they were going to come out on the other side and at least make a bit of a run to inch closer to the 500 mark. And I think that's got to be your game plan at this point. Your game plan has got to be just get to 500 and then just. Keep plugging away, break the season down into five game sectors. And hopefully you can, you know, win three out of two or three and go three and two and just keep building that way, right? Because at the end of the day, as discussed, we know the top of the Eastern Conference is going to be very difficult for the Raptors to be in contention with off the hop. But right now, only goal is to get back to 500. And to be honest, for the most part, They are who we thought they were, right? This is a team that lacks depth. And when you lack depth, you need your best players to ball out every single night at a super high level on both ends of the floor. That's how you're going to be one of the best teams in the league if you lack depth, right? We're going to see that with Kyrie, KD, and James Harden, right? If that team, they don't have depth. So those guys got to ball out every night. So when you look at the Raptors, And you're relying heavily on Kyle, Pascal, Fred, Norm. Those guys are good players, but they're not at a level yet where they can carry a team with such massive expectations on offense and on defense night in and night out. And that's really why we've seen so many games from the Raptors where they've blown leads, right? They've blown how many double-digit leads this season? It's just because they don't have the depth. And so not only you don't have the players, but now – your stars or your main guys, they're now on the court trying to pace themselves because they got to save energy for that last stretch. And that's just difficult to do. It's different. It's difficult to learn how to be that superstar when you have such high demands on you night in and night out. And that's really why we've seen this team as mentioned, blow the leads, but also just struggle so far to start the season. But I still think they will be right in that playoff mix, battling for the playoffs in that play in tournament and if they're able to finish sixth or higher, again, that's a massive, massive dub, especially for a team that is trying to reload instead of rebuild, right? That's and, and what i am so
0: far. This team is too well coached to not fight like we're going to see them fight over the next couple of months, right? Yeah. The double digit, blowing the double digit leads was painful. But mm-hmm. if you were blaming that on Nick Nurse, you haven't been watching the Raptors over the last like 10 years. Yeah, Like, it's just something that happens with this team. And it's like, I don't know what to place the blame on. But like you say, uh, you take these little stretches. Okay, let's go three and one over these next four games. Let's win five of our next eight, you know, those kinds of things. And the continued development of these young players, of guys like Fred, of guys like OG, and of guys like Boucher, Mm -hmm. That will, I think, help a little bit of what you're talking about, of taking a little bit more of the onus off guys like Pascal and Kyle and making it more of a a nine person team, 10 person team than really relying on like a six person team.
1: I mean, right now it's probably like a four person team, but I digress, but that kind of leads us into the next topic here we wanted to discuss, which is what is the best storyline of the Raptor season so far? And it's whatever you want. You know what I mean? Whatever is the best storyline to you? What do you think, Webby?
0: Well, I at the beginning of the season, I would have said it's the the stardom of Aaron Baines in Toronto, but that hasn't worked. <laughs> and then the biggest, the honestly, the biggest misfire that I had this whole season is calling Chris Boucher the mascot. Yeah. I thought this guy was Munenori Kawasaki all over again, that he was only on the team because of his story, because of the Canadian roots. But holy shit, can Chris Boucher play? And not only yeah. can he play, he can play in today's NBA as a big guy. And we're seeing that kind of across the league. There's a couple of big guys. James Wiseman comes to mind right now, like young big guys that maybe a year or two ago, you'd be like, well, this guy's going to have Roy Hibbert disease and he'll be out of the league. There's no way you can keep him on the court. But Boucher is like, like legit. Like, I can't watch this guy without being super impressed and again with his age with his size with this coaching on this team i really think the sky is the limit for boucher and like we've seen him take three pointers we've seen him make a couple three pointers if that can become a more consistent part of his game like again like you might be able to let go of a couple of guys who are a little top heavy salary wise on the raptors if he really develops into something that's like a consistent, consistent NBA star.
1: Yeah. And, and you know what? I, I really think the beautiful part of watching what's happened with Chris Boucher and even a couple other guys, like, I mean, Stanley Johnson, who was completely a, a nothing for the Raptors in the early part of his Raptors tenure. And now you're seeing him co- contribute, but what I attest that to is a Raptors development. Stanley Johnson, we heard recently that he did a lot of work with the Raptors coaches during the offseason. And now you're seeing that pay dividends now. Chris Boucher, we know, has been in the Raptors program now for multiple years coming through from 905, and you've seen them continue to trust what their development program is. And Chris Boucher, to me, he shows that the Raptors give great role definition right? Last year, people, a lot of people were asking for more Chris Boucher minutes and they kind of held them back. He probably could have played a lot more, but it was just instilling, listen, This is what you need to do when you get in the game. You need to come in the game and just be active. You need to run the floor. You need to be on the glass. You need to be a defensive presence and block shots. And that's just instilled. There's no chill when you come on the floor, right? It's not just about shooting threes every time you you get a chance to. It's about taking that opportunity and taking that next step to being a real asset to the team. How do you fit into what this team needs you to do? And you saw that. In glimpses last year, my guy comes in this year and he's taking that to the next level. And I reference this, not in terms of skill set or expectations, but I'm saying this in terms of just what they bring to the team. This is what Pascal Siakam was when his development really started to come, right? Because he's running the floor, he's cleaning up the glass, he's owning the paint, he's on the offensive rebounds, heavy, a huge defensive presence.
0: Norm as well. You know, these guys that... Not, not even reclamation projects, but like guys that have kind of uh, sifted through fingers before. You know, like uh, like you say, uh, uh, even a Fred Van Vliet, a guy undrafted. Chris Boucher, a guy who comes up through um, 905. A guy like Norm who, like not a huge prospect in the NBA, and yet they – find these roles, or the Raptors find roles for these guys to thrive in and
1: make NBA careers out of. And you can tell it's just a matter of, okay, you're on the team, but this is how you're going to get minutes. Yeah. Right. And a lot of people keep talking about what's going on with the Raptors bench right now. And one game, Terrence Davis will play next game. But. He won't play one game. Matt Thomas will play next yeah. game. He won't play. Well, to me, and I'm just viewing this from a dude on my couch, watching the game, but who ha- happens to have, you know, almost 20 years deep of trying to cover this game and watch this game and analyze this game. And it seems apparent to me anyways, that the Raptors and what Nick nurse is trying to tell you is when you come off the bench, the first thing you need to do is play defense. And if you don't play defense at a high level, if you're not busting it on defense, you're going to sit on the bench. And we know one thing when Boucher steps in, it's all energy.
0: it's unbelievable. Yeah. On that side of the floor. And like, it's like, that's where he gets the power from. And then it comes out on the offensive end because he's got yeah. the confidence and he's got the backing of the coaches. And again, that's a great point. And this is why I think that rookie that they got um, Malachi, Malachi Flynn, that's why I think he's going to be success on this team yeah, is because I mean, when he's out there, it's the same thing. You know, one thing is he's going to play defense and then everything else out of that is just, you know, cherry
1: on top and you know what it's a slow process in this raptors development plan too right they bring you along slowly they bring you along slowly for sure and chris boucher yeah it's energy but also you know for the stats people out there and i know uh obviously this past weekend's nfl games had the the stat nerds coming up with percentages and all that well, stuff. listen and you and my biggest fuel beat... what are you you're matt lafleur you're kicking
0: <laughs> no, the field goal no, no, what? Like, i'm going my, the opposite my, way my dad's 70 five years old. And he texted me, what the fuck is he doing? (laughs) It's like, my dad doesn't know what analytics is. And he knew that was a bad, (laughs) bad play.
1: But I bring this up to say, one of my biggest beefs with the whole analytics trend is that they don't account for things like momentum, right? And so I always say something like Chris Boucher coming across and making a massive block and him screaming, You can't tell me that then doesn't affect him as he runs back down the floor harder to get the next rebound. Or when he's running down the floor, his teammates aren't looking for him more cutting to the hoop because they see him, you know, working his ass off on defense. And And that's a young player
0: thing. That's a young player thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: But you know what I'm saying? And like that run, who would have thought at this point that Chris Boucher is at, he's a fifth Raptors leading scorer. Yeah. Fifth in team scoring at 14.3 points per game. He's just 0.3 points behind OG for fourth in team yep. scoring. Like that's insane. He had this, when he had that six game run, right. Where he went 23 and 10, 15 and six, 20 and eight, 25 and 10, 20 and nine. And then 21 and 10. I was like, Whoa, I did not see that coming. I thought he might contribute. But I did not see that coming at all. And that is my favorite storyline. Like I've been texting yeah. friends during these Raptors games, being like, this is and we're half joking, but this is Chris Boucher's team now, right? The
0: the 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 mayor couple I've had to do after predicting that he would be the mascot is you know, I, I I gotta fall on the sword, I gotta take the lumps for that one. But seeing his development has been amazing. Now I know you're gonna also talk about OG. Uh, okay. As well, being an awesome, and, and that's what I love too. I like, I, I love his game. It's great. And, yeah. well, and and again, if you're talking about how this roster is going to turn over over the next few seasons, uh, having OG as like a number one or a number two it, it is something that, that, that can happen. And you're seeing it now
1: yeah i mean it's it's interesting in in what this season is for this toronto raptors team because it's a first year Pax pascal's max deal plus you have fred and og coming off an off season where they just signed brand new deals and that's the raptors core for the yeah. these couple of years going forward and through 17 games you know fred i think has given you what we become accustomed to with fred right like He's consistently scoring more, like he's leading the team in scoring at 19 points per game, but he's been that steadying force in terms of he on nights when he needs to score, he's going to get you 20. We saw that in the playoffs, right? He might not shoot the high percentage, but he's going to get to 20 points because he knows he needs to score for this team. Pascal's had an up and down year for sure. And I think to a lot of people, it might be a disappointment, but I think that's because a lot of people's expectations might have been set a little too high for Pascal Siakam this season. Cause I still think he's playing all right, but it's just, are your expectations for him to match the max contract? And I understand why that would be the case, but I also think that, that's false, right? Like that's just, an that's just not a realistic way to think about it. I know we're he got the contract, his... but we have to know that he's not at that level of a max player or whatever we deem a max player to be in the NBA.
0: It's almost unfair because I mean, yeah. people in Toronto were putting his name in the MVP conversation last season. And that was yeah. ridiculous for a player like this, who was still trying to learn, trying to, trying to develop. And uh, I, and obviously, what happened in the bubble was was not great, and the beginning of the season wasn't great. But again, like he's still a super young player, and we've seen the skills we know he can do, and so you just got to give Pascal time, you know.
1: Yeah, and I think that he, in the last stretch, even though his scoring numbers in the last couple of games have gone back down before he got injured, but. I think you saw a lot more of, again, what made Pascal, what made Masai, what made Raptors fans fall in love with them. You've seen him on the rebounding glass, the rebounding tip even more lately, right? You've seen him and he's developed this in his game in terms of passing the ball, being a better passer and all that, but you're seeing him a lot more active and it's a lot less of him just getting ISO ball and trying to score that way, right? You're seeing him cut to the basket, get buckets like that. And, his scoring numbers might not be closer to 25 where it was last year as it's at 18, but maybe him being in that Mark is better overall for the team because he's not that guy that you're supposed to force feed and have him shoot all these extra shots where he's shooting like turnaround fadeaway long twos with the game on the line. Like maybe that's not his game and that's okay. Yeah. Right. Like that's okay. But in terms of, you know, of that, that Raptors core going forward, man, OG, especially in the month of January, my guy's averaging almost 16 points per game, but shooting 50% from the floor and 49% from three Yeah, is OG turning into the guy that people think that he, that the Raptors fans have been telling us he's going to be the baby Kawhi the slow development. Like, is he slowly turning into that?
0: I mean, we sound like a broken record, right? Like, it's about bringing these guys up, taking your time with them, developing them the right way, and developing them in such a way that you promote their skills and demote what they're not good at. And Mm -hmm. that's what they've done with OG. And he looks great. I I really think he of all the Raptors this season, I mean, Boucher uh, removed, he – he looks the best and has such a bright future. Now, the only thing that would be a a little wary with him is that injury that he had in college and you know, that nagging him down the stretch. But again, like if you're talking about the future of this team, you know, going forward, because again, we're going to get to Lowry here in a bit, but OG is going to be one of your big pieces. And if if any time that the Raptors you hear their name at a big trade or a big move here because it's the NBA and that happens every year. Mm-hmm. Teams are going to look at OG Ananobi and almost require him to be in a deal. If you want to get somebody amazing that.
1: Yeah. And I think the reality of the situation that not a lot of people were talking about coming into this season, the Raptors as a team might be better served to have Pascal scoring less and having OG scoring more. Like you're just better served as a team, right? Like it's not this case You don't
0: where, need Pascal to get, like you say, to get you 25 when OG is shooting 49% from three.
1: Yeah, right. And and we talked about it when OG signed the deal. We talked about it on this pod. I said, hey, if he's going to get that contract, I need you to be scoring at least 14 points per game, right? And he's, he's doing that. It's great yeah. to see the continued development. And I'll close off this part with this stat from Josh Lewenberg who said, over the last 20 years, eight players have averaged at least 14 points, five rebounds, and two steals while shooting 40% from three in their first 16 games of a season. Okay. So here's the list. Who we got? Kobe, yeah, LeBron James, mm, he's Paul good. George twice, yeah, Trevor Ariza, well, Steph <laughs> yeah. Curry, Chris Paul twice, yeah, Kawhi Leonard, mm-hmm. and OG Ananobi.
0: So, obviously – OG is in that, uh, Trevor
1: Ariza, uh, Trevor Ariza, Trevor Ariza sure. Kawhi
0: Leonard, Paul George, rather than the Steph Curry, LeBron, LeBron Kobe.
1: Kobe, Yes. Yeah,
0: for sure. But that's, and that's it, very good.
1: Uh, and it's one of those stats where obviously you're moving the sliders to fit the narrative you're trying <laughs> it's right, to push, it's right. obviously. Right? Absolutely. But I think if you're OG and Anobi, right. You getting into you getting into a situation where we're seeing the development right before our eyes, we're seeing the confidence develop right before our eyes. It's a, it's a great thing to see. If you're a Toronto Raptors fan, you want to continue to see that development. But what I try to do all the time on whatever pod we're doing on blast is just harness the expectations a little, right? Like slow especially, it down. Just let it happen. Especially right? for let Raptors it fans, man. It's crazy. Enjoy sometimes. the ride. Enjoy the ride. <laughs> um one thing we should be enjoying because who knows how much longer it's gonna run for is the raptors and kyle lowry so as mentioned you're in a position where you're currently in 10th place i think if you thought the raptors would finish in the top of the eastern conference you might have to readjust those expectations right like if you one of those raptors fans because the other part to this raptor season is they just now have started to deal with the injuries, right? As Kyle missed a game um, and Pascal's missed two games now, but you've just really started to deal with that. And they haven't really dealt with the COVID thing as much as some other teams have been hit hard with so far. <clears throat> knocking That's me knocking on wood, by the way. Okay. So you hope <laughs> that doesn't happen, but the realistic, the real, the, realis- the realism of the season is that that could be something that happens Absolutely. and really messes up your season, right? Like, look at the heat and what's happened to their season, right? Because Jimmy Butler has been down for a while. Even your Sixers, same thing. Like, how much that affects teams' records. Yeah. So, with all that said, Doesn't through the Raptors the being that much. fairly healthy so far, and they're still in, like, 10th place, what should they do at Kyle Lowry? At this point, And we're judging this just based off of the first quarter of the season, which is tough. So, I know,
0: but it, it depends on, I think it depends on how much you think you owe Kyle. Okay. Because he's been great for this franchise. Um, most people, I think most Raptors fans out there would say he's the goat Raptor. Uh, he's got the ring. Uh, he's really been the heart and soul of this team, but if, and like, listen, I know that we started off this podcast saying that they've kind of turned the ship around, but facts being facts, you're still in 10th place and there's still being a
1: last place team in the conference.
0: So right? if you think that you owe Kyle for a service, I think that you do try and find a trade partner, especially if you can get pieces for the future okay mm. because this is the nba it's a long game it's not a short game and in the east with what's happening with the nets and the celtics and the sixers you're gonna have to try and keep in step with them and keeping a guy who's what larry's our age maybe a little younger 33 <laughs> 34 you know and and, and it is due uh, unrestricted free agent at the end of the season if you are treading water there like like we say eighth ninth tenth place in the, it place in the east I think you try and deal them to a contender and, and get pieces back I think you got you know, it.
1: I, I definitely agree with that and I, I think what you said there you know you look at Kyle Lowry and if you're the Toronto Raptors I think right now you got to be realistic about what your ceiling is for this season right so yeah. you look at how the season plays out and you say okay we'll make the playoffs that first round matchup is going to be very tough no matter who you're playing against. Right. if, as this Toronto Raptors team is currently made up, whoever they end up playing in the first round, that's going to be a tough matchup, yeah. which means a second round matchup. If you get there, it's going to be really, really tough. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking at your realistic ceiling as being the second round of the playoffs, you got to sit down with yourself and say, okay, well, what's the best move as we continue to retool instead of rebuild. And so, you're right. You owe it to Kyle Lowry to sit down with him and ask him what he wants to do. And you try to work something out in terms of sending him somewhere where he can com- realistically compete for a championship. But I think if he doesn't want that, I don't think you trade him. And I'm o- I'm OK with that in that situation. I know this might be kind of different, but the-, the parallel that comes to mind is the Leafs and Matt Sundin. Remember the begging, trying to get a pick and all that. Like, I I understand that. I get that. But I don't think this team is in that situation. And like, what you're going to get back is that top tier for Kyle Lowry at this stage of his career. What is he? 34, I think he is. It's like, at this point of his career, I think if he doesn't want to be traded, you don't trade him because he is the face of your organization at this point, right? Like he is the guy you're going to bring back to celebrate any and everything that you know, any of those nights you want to have relive this night or that night, it's going to be Kyle Lowry coming back and he's going to get the standing ovation forever and ever and ever for your organization, right? He should be the first Jersey brought up to the rafters, which I don't think he will be, but. Cause I think they're going to put Vince up. That's conversation for another day. But the point is Kyle Lowry is the, your franchise at this point after yes. the championship. So I think. With that said, if he doesn't want to be traded, I wouldn't trade him. Like he has to sign off on it. And obviously, 100%. you're only going to trade him to a team that is contending for a championship.
0: Yeah. That so, he wants to go to.
1: Yeah. For sure. For sure. And there's tons of time to talk about that, tons of destinations. We can talk about that later on as the season progresses for sure. It'll Let's help.
0: Keep... Yeah. Oh.
1: <laughs> Let's keep things rolling so far. Hey, as long as you're going to give us Maxi, I'm in on that.
0: Nah, but, I don't know um, about that. How about Thibault?
1: How about Thibault? Nah. Actually,
0: Maxi, since that whole Harden thing has been like very much meh. <laughs> it's been eh.
1: well. 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 Speaking of, let's get to the rest of the league, and I have a feeling that you're going to stick to the side of uh, the the city of brotherly love here when I ask this question. But we get to the rest of the league. Let's ask it quarter way through. Who is the MVP of the season so far? Well. Okay. Now, okay. No, just, just say it. Don't, there's no need to preamble. We all know where you're going with this and I'm not even mad at you for this one. Not even no, mad at No, you.
0: because you're going to be surprised, but I shouldn't oh. be saying Embiid. Okay. Oh. Because like, I, honestly, is this the first time that we've seen him in a sustained way play like a, he gives a shit and B he's in shape. Because those two things together, like, bro, he, he's unstoppable. Like, no. And then if, if you do try to stop him, you're fouling. And so he's yeah. going to the line. And mm-hmm. his numbers are gaudy. They're first place in the East by themselves. They look great. Doc and, and Maury have kind of finally figured out this roster. And as underwhelming as Simmons has been, having those two guys and shooters, It seems like, like, yeah, it hit me again. I this time put some skank on it. Like, yeah, duh. Of course, that's (laughs) how you do it. And like Seth Curry has been awesome. And the whole deal. And and Embiid is a bright, shining star in my heart every night. I love watching him play. This guy said a
1: bright, shining star (laughs) in my heart. I was just repeating that for the I I have
0: two. (laughs) I have my daughter, Ivy, and I have Joelle Embiid. And they are the bright, shining stars (laughs) of my life. Uh, no, a guy that big shouldn't be able to do what he does. I saw a stat the other day. He leads the league in mid range shooting. It's yeah. It's Embiid, Doncic, like Donovan Mitchell, but Embiid is number one at seven foot, whatever. However.
1: See, I'm not a, I'm not a fan of that before we move on though. I'm not really a fan of that side of Embiid's game, but the numbers at this point don't lie. And he is taking advantage. He's beating the the competition. No. can't even be mad at what Embiid's doing right
0: now. Big, however. Okay. Okay. When was the last time LeBron James won an MVP title? Uh,
1: 2012 2013 season.
0: H- how many has he won? Uh,
1: good question. Three?
0: It's absolutely, I think it Could be four.
1: I think it's four. I think three. It's absolutely
0: criminal. Okay. That he's only won that many. And that he hasn't won since he was on the heat.
1: Yeah. I mean, when you consider where the (laughs) NBA has gone, it is pretty funny.
0: And how old he is and what he does on a game to game basis on a season to season basis. Yeah, he is. He is. We said, Oh, Kyle might be our age. LeBron James is literally the same age as I am. (laughs) And he's the best player in the league. And every night, every night he puts it out there. It doesn't, did you, uh, you obviously you watched the Cleveland game last night? I did. I
1: did. That was crazy. That was, that was crazy. How many points did he score in the fourth quarter alone? Uh, 21, if I'm not mistaken, he's, he's the face of the
0: league. He's the best player in the league. He's unassailable as like a human being never gets in trouble. And the fact that he hasn't won an MVP since 2012 is insanity. He led the league in assists last year <laughs> and didn't win the MVP. He has to win this year. Okay. Listen, it'll be heartbreaking for Embiid who's scoring like 40 points and pulling down 15 rebounds a night at, for a first place team. But LeBron is the MVP of this season, hands down.
1: Yeah. So it,
0: I, 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 I hate to make that argument, but it it was obvious last night. I know it's Cleveland, but they're a playoff team right now. No, and he I think ripped he... their heart out. <laughs> Again, how many times is he going to do that to Cleveland? Rip their heart out. Well, and it was crazy... amazing to watch. He doesn't – and it's like you say, oh, you know, the mid-range game of Joel. You don't like to see it. It's like, no, LeBron is doing it the craziest ways possible. He's now – Gone from Steve Nash last year to being like a six foot eight, 270 pound JJ Reddick this year.
1: Yeah. Like his three point n- numbers are crazy. It's insane what LeBron has done. And you mentioned the game last night against the Cavs. And it's funny, he said in the post game that there was a Cavs front office exec sitting courtside and he was a little too excited. He said something to LeBron. LeBron missed a shot at the end of the third quarter, right at the buzzer. And he missed a shot. And you can see on the video, like you see LeBron look over to someone and kind of like nod at him like, oh, okay, okay. And LeBron after the game was quoted as saying he was quote a bit too excited about seeing me miss. So how he responded to that was, as you mentioned, scored 21 points in the fourth quarter to beat the Cavs to finish with 46 points, eight, rebounds and six assists or maybe i have the rebounds and assists flipped but either way, 46 like 8 and 6
0: two daggers at, it's like a three point game with a minute and a half left and he hits the three that barely yeah. moves the net and then he has the baseline turn around fade away see you later your team scored 100 points getting pizza pizza but you guys lost we'll check you next time
1: well remember there's the famous clip of was it Chris Bosh's sister or yes. girlfriend at the time? Was it his I, I sister? Think I, think, I think that was think it courtside. Was his sister. That was at courtside, yelling no, no, at was LeBron, his girl. talking it was his trash girl. to LeBron, and the Raptors were winning. And then LeBron just like went off, <laughs> and obviously ended up coming back and beating the Raptors. But those are the MJ like stories, and I use. MJ, I was going to say really, it's like the Grizzlies game yes it's really these stories of great people and you always wonder like how are they able to do it night in and night out and it's like they find these little things right to motivate them and get them over the hump and to watch LeBron do that again at this age he's 36 and his 17th season in the league that is crazy to think that he's still able to do that but I'm gonna agree with you and it's LeBron like It fits into too many narratives that happens all the time, right? The Lakers had the best record in the league. And the other part is we thought LeBron might be the one chilling and AD might be the one doing work. And instead it's flipped. AD (laughs) is chilling and LeBron is doing the work. My guy is averaging 25, 8, and 7 in 32 minutes, right? It's (laughs) like that's stupid. That's dumb. He he honestly, so uh, he
0: should have six MVPs. He
1: should. Yeah. So he won two in a row and then they gave one to Derrick Rose, which I'm not even mad at that. Like Derrick Rose, that Derrick Rose season was insane. But obviously there is some LeBron voter fatigue going on as well, right? So then LeBron wins the next two after that. And then he doesn't win again. And there's been this endless debate year in, year out. Who's the best player in the league? Who's the best player in the league? And, you know, people tried to say Steph was better than him. And we know that wasn't true. Giannis
0: won twice in a row, bro. Giannis
1: won twice in a in row. A Harden row. won. row. Russ won. But we know that was a triple-double. And obviously there's KD who people think as well. KD won. And there's that battle of over who's the best player in the world. And year in and year out my guy's in year 17 and he's still out here doing this on the best team in the league. And you mentioned it, you touched on his three point shooting. My guy's averaging a career high in three point attempts yeah. and is shooting 41% Dude, from three. This, season. this is a you
0: know, it's a guy who couldn't shoot the three pointer for a long
1: stretch of his career. And he's now a dead eye shooter. Yeah. My guy went from averaging 34% from three in his career to now averaging 41% this season. I mean, it's easy, best player on the best team and the best storyline, LeBron at 36 years old in year 17. I I don't know about
0: storyline, but definitely.
1: What's a better storyline than LeBron? People thinking LeBron's washed, leading the Lakers to trying to win back to back with the Lakers. We all think, well, not we all think, but a lot of people thought LeBron was going to come in and chill. And instead he's like, nah. And I think a part of this, I don't know. You tell me what you think, right? But I think a part of this, and we've seen it with KD, as KD's come back and we saw KD really go at Giannis when they played <laughs> in their game, right? I think much like LeBron, you kind of look around and these guys are on social media. They see what all the, the Stephen A's and all those guys are saying, right? They're in the comment section, in Cuffs of Legends comments, having arguments on Instagram about stuff. They see what people are saying. And I think when those guys... Look around and they hear, oh, you guys think Giannis is better than me? Oh, you think <laughs> Steph Curry is better than me? I think there's a lot of that where they're just kind of like, okay, cool. I'm going to show you now. Yeah, you, And especially with KD. But LeBron as well, like, oh, you guys forgot that I'm me. Yeah. <laughs> right? But, and, but, it, but it's, it's like a, what we're seeing this year. I, I don't understand how people forget. It's like you hear about the Will
0: Chamberlain seasons where he was like, yeah, no, I'll just lead the league and assists because yeah. I can or I'll, I'll just average 40 rebounds, you know, in a season. Cause I, I can, it, it, well, I don't think we, we're not going to appreciate, I mean, you and I do because we're huge LeBron fans, but I don't think that everybody's going to appreciate what this guy has done for 18 seasons in a row
1: until it, it, his career's over. It is insane. Right. And the, the thing about it to me is you watch that Lakers team and basically this season is really just like practice, right? Like yeah, you can see them turn it on, turn it off in games. Like, right They're they're messing around with teams and then they'll pull away and win. But the whole team seems to be bought into their roles. The camaraderie on their team is great. Like we saw, we were talking about it last pod with LeBron shooting it and turning around and making bets and how, but they're just having that was fun. The craziest. And LeBron being the leader of all that, right? LeBron being the leader of all that at this stage, it's crazy to see that he's still like the leader, like vocally and the figurehead, but also statistically. I don't think that's what many people expected when Anthony Davis was going to come along and be along his side. I think they, everyone thought, okay, well, LeBron's going to take a step back and AD's going to step forward and a quarter of the way through the season. Maybe that changes. Maybe LeBron finds a way to rest a little more as the season progresses. I don't know. I hope
0: not. I hope not, because I love watching him play every every
1: game. I think I think he also would love to win MVP. So I yeah. don't know if that happens. I think either, I right?
0: yeah. After last year, I, I agree.
1: Shouts to Austin Matthews, by the way, as he snipes. Just and
0: Wayne Simmons cool. too. And Jeez. my boy Wayne Simmons. I might Let's have to. Go. I might have to cop a twenty four blue and white jersey.
1: Scarborough, stand up. Let's go. Right. Let's go. <laughs> from NHL storylines to our favorite yeah. NBA. No, no, no. Hey, I'm right there. I, I saw Austin score. I had to mention that. That's Let's go. Stupid.
0: Even though it's against the team that I work for, but listen, don't <laughs> worry about it.
1: I won't tell if you won't tell, don't That's worry. It. Uh, but no, getting back so, to NBA yes. storylines, right? So you
0: said that LeBron is the best storyline of the season. And I said, no. no, no,
1: no. I said, LeBron is the MVP of the season. Oh, I thought
0: you said best storyline no, no, no. too.
1: No, 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 no. No, no, no. We're getting that right now. We're getting to that right now. What is your favorite storyline so far of the NBA season?
0: It's Golden State Warriors. Okay. And I I know you got I can't wait to hear the Steph Curry slander. The the
1: slanderous there will be no slander. There's the no libelous There's no statements
0: slander. coming for you on a one, Mr. Steph Curry. But this is honestly. What are they They're because they're in the top eight right now? I aren't think they?
1: they're eighth right now, if I'm not mistaken.
0: And this is this is a dookie team, <laughs> like, they're not great. Kelly Oubre is not great. No, okay, he is not. They, they've got they're getting a lot out of Andrew Wiggins, yep. okay. Draymond Green scores like four points a game, yep. Like, they're relying on James Wiseman. Who's incredible. Like I love watching James Wiseman. I think he's going to be amazing, but it is so good to see Steph Curry back on the basketball court doing what he does. And I am, I'm rooting for this Western conference to kind of shake out. Hopefully in a way that we get Lakers warriors first round. Ooh, that would be fun. If not first round, Then second round, if not second round, let's make it conference finals.
1: I don't know how far you think the Warriors are going in the playoffs this season, but yeah, first round matchup would be pretty cool. We've seen,
0: we've seen crazier things. Fair. And if he can stay healthy other than LeBron and Joel Embiid, I mean, I saw like kind of a list of the MVP candidates. Jokic is up there. Yeah. Uh, a couple other uh, uh, who uh, Durant is up there. Why isn't Steph Curry on that list?
1: Cause I think they just got off to too poor of a start to the season. And I think that, you know, if they continue on this trajectory where they're playing, obviously a whole lot better so far, maybe we could definitely see that as a thing. But at this point at eighth, I think they're one game over 500 as we tape this it's, it's a great storyline, but I don't know if they have enough wins yet. To be at that point, but it's a, it's a great storyline, man. The Warriors, I've been taking it in. I've been watching it when I'm flipping around
0: looking Mm -hmm. for a game to watch. Obviously the Sixers are going to be number one, (laughs) the Lakers are number two, which is nice. Nice late game out here. Starts at like eight. Perfect. If there's another game on and it's the Warriors, I'm watching them. It is such an interesting team to watch and with Steph kind of like i think the reason why i didn't i'm not the biggest Steph fan either is that i always felt that he was shielded you know having clay having Draymond when they got to rant it's like oh Steph can go off because you're you got to get through a couple of walls to get to him you know he can do Steph things because you've got to watch clay in the corner or or you got to watch Durant scoring 30. But honestly, this is my favorite Steph of him with scrubbies and and going off and, and doing the, you know, the other thing is why do we get mad at Harden for dribbling and then hoisting threes? But when Steph does it, everybody on Twitter just thinks it's the greatest thing.
1: Well, because people just like Steph Curry. <laughs> I, That's it. I don't really That's like it. Steph Curry, but he's growing no, but on me. The majority, team. the majority of society, loves the story of the lovable little smiling guy, Steph Curry, and family man, and you know the the narrative of Steph Curry people like a lot more than the narrative of James Harden and strip clubs partying and then dropping fifty. That's all. But I, the one thing we're leaving out about the Warriors and and really what's changed their season was they struggled early on to start and then Draymond came back and it doesn't show up on the stat sheet but when you watch that team you see how important he is as a leader but also he's the one that does all the little things on defense right he's masking the defensive rotations and also on offense right him and Steph They've been in that system for a while now, but Draymond is still the engine in terms of when to swing the ball, when to set the screens, when to do the dribble handoffs, all those little intricacies of their offense weren't there without Draymond Green. And it doesn't show up in the stat sheet. It's not going to show up in the stat sheet, but when you see that team and you watch them play with and without Draymond, it's a whole lot different. Right. And I think, that's been an interesting thing to pay attention to and actually understand if you watch them play, it's not about the stat sheet again. It's like sitting down and watching the game. And when you see them without Draymond, it's just different. It's just totally different, right? In terms of the understanding of the game on offense and defense.
0: He broke up a three-on-one fast break a couple of weeks ago. That was like one of the most impressive defensive feats (laughs) I've ever seen in my life. Like I know the, I forget who they were playing, but they, the other team kind of like screwed it up, but he was just back there and broke it up, got the ball out of bounds on the other team and saw him fired up. I was like, that is
1: incredible. Yeah. It's crazy to watch. And hopefully the Warriors can stick around. Maybe they make another move towards the deadline and get into the playoffs. Because who wouldn't want to see the Warriors in the playoffs? Why not? I want to see them right? against the
0: Lakers, man. Who's, or who's the, against even, that? What would be great too would be against the Clippers and then knock them out in the first round.
1: Come on, man! Like that's speaking of the Clippers, the Clippers aren't my favorite storyline this season, but they are a storyline on the well. low They've on been the low. They've been playing really good, right? They're playing really well. Paul George has looked the, really good, and what's the wise th- looked th- really good?
0: They're like shooting forty-two percent from three as a team. It's just like no nobody else has done that. But again, great. You're going to be great in the regular they season. They need a
1: point guard. And I saw rumors today of Derrick Rose. And I would do whatever, whatever uh, trade whatever on your better roster. Than you need a better yeah, than,
0: than Reggie Jackson. Better than Reggie Jackson.
1: And Pat Beverly. Like You just Pat need a one. point guard, right? And so that would be massive, massive, massive. But my favorite storyline so far of the NBA season is the Nets. Oh, to yeah. me, like the Nets have just been drama. <laughs> From the get go, whether we're talking about Kyrie, whether it's trying to trade for James Harden, whether it's and we still don't even know how that whole Harden thing really went down and the Kyrie thing went down. We still don't know what really happened, but all we know is now every night when I turn on my TV, I'm just trying to see if the Nets are playing and I'm tuning into that game. Like it's <laughs> Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden. I'm gonna watch that. The other night, who are they playing against? Was it the Cavs? And uh Joe Sexton? Harris had like seven threes. No, but Joe Harris had like seven threes no, in like the my first guy. quarter. My like it guy was insane. And that's just because you're gonna get wide open looks with those three stars on the floor. And yes, that Colin Sexton game was crazy. That that game was insane so, for sure. But the Nets are just straight entertainment. Yeah night in, night out, what's going to happen? Who's going to get the 20 or 30 point triple double watching how they're playing as well. Not to go too deep dive into it, but like James Harden is the point guard, right? Like they start out the game and James Harden's the one bringing the ball up the floor. He runs the offense. The offense kind of runs through him. He's playing point Kyrie's on the wing and then Harden goes to the bench. And then it's then Kyrie is the point guard. So it's interesting to see. And and we talked about it before. Like when people are worried about how this is going to work, well, it's going to work pretty easily. You don't need that much of a bench when you right. can have one of KD Kyrie or James Harden on the floor at all times. You don't need that much of a bench. You need little tweaks, little pieces here. And <sighs> so that'll the be interesting that, to see how that plays out.
0: The other thing too about the Nets is uh, Kevin Durant's continued heel turn. Yeah. <laughs> he's not messing around. does like anybody. I like it.
1: I like it. I like it. He, he's he's feisty right now, right? He wants to smoke, and I like that. The league is just better. Like as good as last year's regular season was, and the bubble in terms of storylines and great games and great, You know, just watching Luca's rise and all that stuff that happened. Like we were still watching an NBA without Kevin Durant and Steph Curry. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like that's crazy to think about. And so now this season having those guys back and all the teams up and running every night, there's something to watch in this league. And that's why it's so much fun. And also KD has come back and he looks very close to the old KD. Like if you showed me tapes from the old KD and this KD, I wouldn't be able to tell that much of a difference so far. And that has been incredible to watch. Super incredible. Um, on the low though and not my favorite storyline as well because as mentioned that's the nets but the other team in new york the knicks are are, are they back no. kind of what's going on there i don't know but hopefully they can keep it up because the nba is well, a better saw, place when the knicks are good
0: i saw this in the notes and i i would say that it's the 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 knicks the uh calves and the hawks all okay. teams that were thought to be in the bottom half of the Eastern conference, mm-hmm. all three really uh, outpacing expectations and playing really well. And like three fan bases that deserve it. In yeah. In my opinion, like especially the Knicks man. for sure. Like, so I hope that uh, all three of those teams uh, can at least make that play in tournament, because I think that'd be entertaining as, as hell, man. For Let's sure. get that going.
1: Right. So We move on to our Ask On Blast segment, which we close out this pod each and every week. And the Ask On Blast segment, we basically just talk about whatever we want to talk about. But the reality of what today is and what happened one year ago today, there's no way that we could go without talking about the life of Kobe Bryant and the career of Kobe Bryant. And one year later, it's still so sad and still so unbelievable. One year later, like I caught myself looking at all these pictures today and I'm still like, I can't believe this happened. And you think about it and so much has changed in the world, especially over this year, which makes it even crazier. But we're gonna use this opportunity to to put a positive spin on it and remember the great moments of Kobe Bryant and try to make this, you know, the good times and the positive spin on things. So let's talk about what your favorite moments are from Kobe Bryant. I'll start because it I was I always felt this moment because it was it was amazing and I remember exactly where I was when it happened because it was the last game of Kobe's career. And it was on the last night of the NBA season. And at the same time, the Warriors were trying to break the Bulls wins record. And I remember all the talk was about, well, what are basketball fans going to watch more? What's the bigger game, Kobe's last game or the Warriors breaking the Bulls record? And I remember at the time being like, it's Kobe's last game. Like, I remember arguing with people so much going in. And that game was just so insane for my guy to go out just... Emptying the clip. Like my guy was shooting every shot moving. Finishing with 60, 60 shots. Finishing with 60 points in that game and hitting like gl- the game, clinching free throws and go ahead buckets. Like it was just an incredible sight to see. But watching that game again, because it was on a couple times today, it was crazy to, to see a game like that with the fans all standing yeah. courtside and going crazy. Kanye. That was the whole thing that hit me watching because it's like, yeah. Whoa, like that seems like a completely different world to the world that we're in right now, watching basketball and there's no fans and there's no Kobe, like, and there's no Kobe. Like it just seems so weird. But you know, I got chills watching that today when that game was on. I'm watching it, and that game gave me chills because at the end of it, when the crowd is just losing it when he hits the go-ahead bucket, like, man, that's something I'll never forget. And I remember exactly where I was you are a West end dude in Toronto. What's what's that bar called? It's called doc Ellis. Yeah. Yeah. I watched doc that- Ellis
0: is a great bar.
1: Great I don't even bar. know if it's still around. Uh, I don't know if it is, but I remember that's where I went to watch this game because we wanted to watch both games, right? So yeah. they had the two TVs up and we're kind of seated in the middle, kind of looking back and forth <laughs> at both games. But obviously I found myself way more glued to yeah. the Kobe game. Cause it was just absolutely incredible, man. And, I remember we did this thing too. That was when we did that uh feature, the I miss the old Kobe. Yeah. All right. I got you to voice that, right? That's right. You that was that the voice that for me. Yes. I miss the old Kobe. That was for his last game of that the, was season. the that's last last one of game. my favorite things I've done at Sportsnet.
0: I think I still far. have that like sure. on a reel somewhere too.
1: Oh, I definitely have it. If you need it, I have it. I have it for sure. That's one of my favorite things I've done at Sportsnet. Yeah, that was amazing. It was such a like, you know, everyone was like, oh, well, what are we going to do? We want to do something different than just like the Kobe career retro. Yeah. And at the time before before I didn't rock with that Kanye dude anymore, right? We took the words of I miss the old Kanye and from just switched it to I miss the old Kobe from the Life of Pablo album. And I got my guy Webby here to voice it. <laughs> And that shit went viral. Like, that was incredible. But yeah. just everything about that night the 60 points, the speech, the Mamba out, Jay, Snoop, all going crazy, Jack going crazy on the sidelines. That was like the last incredible. time
0: we saw Jack, too. Like,
1: crazy, man. Crazy. But wow. sorry, I, I went on for way too long, though. Let's get to some of your moments, my dude.
0: Oh, so, I mean, like, just the stretches he would have, you know? Yeah where he'd just be dropping like uh, you'd be flipping around and like this again, w- why the score was so great. Uh, I think you brought it up. I've, we were trying to figure out what year it was, but there was March Madness going on at the same time. Yeah. But while March Madness was going on, Kobe every night seemed like he was dropping <laughs> 60 points, 45 <laughs> points, 50 points. It was an incredible run and it, it, it like preempted the college, ba- the biggest college basketball tournament of the year because of what this guy was doing. And honestly, I was a Kobe hater. Yeah. Especially because I was a Shaq guy. So, especially when okay. Shaq and Kobe broke up. But the way that he played and the way that he took control of that Lakers team was just so impressive. And the way that he turned not just his career, but his life around after everything that happened in Colorado and the way that he became. Uh, role model to basketball players to boys girls it it didn't matter like the way that he carried himself and the way that he led was so impressive to me so the the best kobe moment that the best kobe memory that i have doesn't even have to do with him playing basketball he was on jimmy kimmel and this was after he had retired and this is when the lakers had nick young Mm uh julius randall it was a young buck
1: team. The young Bucks team. Yeah, I,
0: I think D'Angelo. D'Angelo was on that team
1: still. I don't man, know too. if he was there yet. Might they were.
0: Been. They were terrible. Like one of the worst teams in the league, and they win a game. And so the Lakers broadcast. I, They're interviewing Nick Young and he's got like three or four Lakers behind him and they are celebrating. They are like, we're the shit. Like, you can't mess with us. This is Lake show. You know, this is LA baby. Let's go. And so Jimmy Kimmel played that clip for Kobe. Yeah, And I love that clip because I just love guys having fun after they win. Like I thought it was great, but they cut back. He cuts back to Kobe and he's like, Kobe, what do you think about that? And the look on Kobe's face, it wasn't disappointment. It wasn't anger. I don't know what it was, but it just told you. It, like, he didn't say it worked and he didn't. The and look Jimmy on like, his
1: face was that? perfect. Yeah.
0: It, it showed everything why people looked up to Kobe and what he meant to people as a leader since everything that happened in Colorado. And just seeing that, I, it kind of clicked for me and I was like, It's the Kobe system. That's
1: it. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy because I, like you, I wasn't a Kobe guy early. And I think Cab was probably really influential in turning me into a Kobe guy or or more so seeing the way or seeing the greatness, right? Or just taking a step back and just watching the greatness. Because I think the biggest thing for me, and especially as you get older and you really, pay attention to some of the things that these great people, like people who have been able to achieve great things in their lives. The lesson from Kobe to me was like, you get what you put into the situation, right? Whatever you put into it, that's what you get out of it. Right. And there's that story that I think LeBron told, or maybe it was in an article or something on that U S Olympic team. The first Mm. year when Kobe and LeBron played together on that. Olympic team. I think it was a Greece Olympics might've been 08 and they show up for practice. It's like 7am practice and LeBron D Wade, all them walk in and they walk into the gym and Kobe's already there shooting jumpers in a full sweat. And they're all like, wait a second. What, what, what's going on here? They're stunned. They didn't realize. And then it said like the light bulb kind of clicked for LeBron. Like, Oh, that's why Kobe is Kobe. Right. right. Like he's coming in before practice, and my guy is in a full sweat before you're about to have like a full-on team practice with the best players in the world in the middle of the summer, which is your off season. Yeah. Right. And and that was a thing. And if you remember after that Olympic year, I stand by it. LeBron came back in a different kind of yep. base mode after that. That was when he had the chase down block season where yep. he was just like that would have been everything moving.
0: Would that been the season? Before he goes to Miami, right?
1: No, no, no. That would have been. He's still in Cleveland. He's still in Cleveland.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but he goes a full year and then goes to Cleveland after, or might then have goes been to Miami. Two,
1: might have been two years, I think. Yeah. Might have been two years. But either so, way, like, it was still beast mode LeBron. First time I ever seen beast mode LeBron, and they said that a big reason for that was spending the summer on the Olympic team playing against the best players in the world, but also seeing Kobe and why Kobe was Kobe. Like there's a reason how he got to that level and it's all about the work that he put in. But yeah, my last moment too, is just the, his last all-star game in Toronto. Like I was lucky enough to be able to go and that was just an incredible scene in the sense that, you know, there's a lot of talk about farewell tours and I remember like, not playing the hindsight game now where obviously with Kobe's passing, there's nobody that's going to say anything negative really about Kobe Bryant, right? But in the moment of the farewell tour, there were a lot of people getting tired of the farewell, the farewell tour. But that Toronto All-Star game was so incredible because it was still midway through the season. And because it was the All-Star game, like the stars of stars, all paying farewell to Kobe, Like, that was incredible. That was really cool. That was just, like, a really cool thing to see. Yeah. And And that was really incredible. And I remember after walking out, and as I walked by the locker room, Kobe was walking out of the locker room. And there's just a mob of people trying to take pictures of him, trying to get things signed and he's walking down the hallway literally stopping and like smiling for people's photos signing every autograph little kids are coming up and he's signing their basketballs and it's just like he's never gonna get down this hallway right? <laughs> Like there's so many people there he's never gonna get through and it was just such an incredible thing to see man but you know at least we'll have these moments that we can always you know Pop in the tape, reminisce, search on YouTube, watch the eighty-one point game. I was gonna say
0: the eighty-one point game. Yeah, I think I always had those
1: moments, man. That was my
0: memory when he passed away. Was that's what I remember? Like in UBC at a frat house, watching that game on like a Sunday afternoon, and being like, "Oh my god!"
1: Yeah, like what's happening here? And especially in the pre-Twitter world, where like. You're texting your buddies?
0: Yeah, yeah. Right? Exactly. Like everyone's
1: kind of texting or calling and being like, "Yo, are you watching this right now?" Like crazy. Kobe's Kobe's going off. I mean, obviously one of the the legends of the sports industry and legends of bas- of the game of basketball and uh, you know, on the 1-year anniversary, we we definitely wanted to talk about the memories of Kobe Bryant. So, you know, one of the great things of this pod getting the opportunity to do stuff like that when we can, for sure. Um, but Mr. Andrew Webster, you know, where can the people get your thoughts on what's going on currently in the NBA as night in, night out, there's a lot going on other than your man's Joel Embiid, but where can the people tell you, you know, send all their Joel Embiid slander? Oh, can the people there, hit you up? There's
0: none, there's none. The bright shining star of my life. Oh, sorry, there's a third bright shining star of my life in JT Real Mudo resigning with the Phils. <laughs> For five years, big. That's big. So yeah, no. Hit me up on uh, Instagram or Twitter. Let me know your favorite Kobe moment. Hit me up at A Webster eighty four on on Twitter and on Instagram. Love to hear from you.
1: And you can follow me on Twitter at Shell Alexander on Instagram at Sheldon Alexander. And huge shouts to people liking and subscribing to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud. And on YouTube, like and subscribe. Tell your friends. Keep sharing this. What is the Ball on Blast Podcast? Because we just like to talk about ball each and every week. And as the schedule <laughs> kind of sorts out, we're trying to figure out a, a solid night to continue to do this and might be Tuesdays going forward. We'll see how that works with the NBA sched and hours. The schedule, sked. Yeah the Raptors sked as well. So we'll keep going. Just a place to talk about basketball, everything that's going on in the NBA. We'll always hit you with some Raptors talk. We'll always hit you with all the fun storylines on and off the court in the NBA for sure. And, you know, I say this every time. And as we're back doing the podcast regularly, I, I, I got to say it feels so much better to say this now, but I really did used to pray for times like this to rom like this. This is the Ball on Blast podcast, part of the On Blast podcast network. As always, unpolished and unapologetic. Until next time, see ya. Peace. This is Ball on Blast, part of the On
0: Blast podcast network. Available on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and YouTube. If you like it, then subscribe and tell your friends. Holla. On blast.